please stand with me as we read from God's word this morning. We find ourselves in the book of Luke, chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 31 to 35. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God, the Word of God. Please be seated. Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, it's good to be together. Amen? Ah, it's so good to see you all. Um, I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but along with our Honest Advent series, we have been doing a blog every day, and members, many of you uh, in this room have been writing for it every single day. So if you haven't had an opportunity to read along, uh, you should go back and check them out. They're not very long, but they're really good. Uh, you can find it on our Facebook page, or you can go on to our homepage, lasierra.church. And when you go there, you'll scroll down just a little bit. Under uh, LSU Life, La Sierra Life, you'll see uh, the thumbnail for the Honest Advent. Click on that bad boy, and when you do, it'll take you to the blogs. And you could just start clicking through them and reading them. They've been fantastic for uh, as long as we've been doing them this past 23, 24 days now. In fact, I'm going to share some, some portions of that with us this morning. Thank you for that. Check it out, the blog. The title of our sermon time today is Embodiment. Embodiment. Embodiment of surprise. With Erickson's challenge ever before us about finding the incarnation, this God incarnational in, in the midst of us today, we are thoughtful about what it means to be embodied. What is it for this incarnation to be in our body where God does wondrous things through our finiteness, through our humanness, through our limitedness? So to be surprised is to be in the wonderment of an experience that was not planned for. But then we ask the question, what does it mean to embody the incarnation? What does that look like? How does that feel like? Well, maybe St. Augustine, a.k.a. Augustine of Hippo, a.k.a. Augustine, a.k.a. really, really, really old guy. One of the first influencers on Western Christianity. In his work on Christmas, he shares these words. Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breasts, that the bread might be hungry, that the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired from the journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, 
The judge of the living and the dead be judged by the mortal judge. Justice be sentenced by the unjust. The teacher be beaten with whips. The vine be crowned with thorns. The foundation be suspended on wood that strength might be made weak, that he who makes well might be wounded, that life might die. The divine God has been swallowed by human flesh, by a body, in a body, embodied. There's a recognition, a celebration, if you will, an emphasis on the physical body with all of its human limitations. Limitations are a part of being human. If you are a part of the human race, you will experience limitations. I don't know if you've reached that age yet, where you are aware that you have limitations. But there will come a time, and you are, it's not the same for everyone. There will be a threshold, a line, by which you will cross and you will say, wow, I am a limited human being. I play basketball every Sunday with a bunch of young 30-year-olds and some 20-year-olds. Renee, I saw Renee here this morning. Uh, Wes is a part of that, One of, some of our young guys. And they come in, and their physiques, they're like demigods while they're eating their french fries. <laughs> Who knows what they were doing the night before? But they get on the basketball court and they run and they run and they run and they run. They're not aware of their limitations yet. <laughs> I play two games and then I sit down and they say, come on, Nick, why don't you play another game? And I say, no, 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 I, I, I wanna be able to walk for the rest of the week. <laughs> this last Sunday, we were playing and I got my two games in and I sat and I watched them all playing all these young bucks running around without awareness of their limitations. Pastor Steve comes in halfway through the day. Half of the, he comes in late because he's old. <laughs> he wants to tire the competition down some. So he'll play, he played the last two games and finally at the end it was a half court game and, and he says, hey Icky, you're gonna play? He said, no man, I'm too old, I'm done, I'm gonna I'm wrap up, I'll see you later. He says, okay, okay, if you wanna wimp out, just go ahead. So he plays that game and I walk out and one hour later, I get a phone call from Pastor Steve. And he says, hey man, what are you doing? I said, I'm just hanging out, trying to, you know, trying to make my body come back to life. And he says, are you busy right now? I said, no. He says, would you mind taking me to urgent care? <laughs> Pastor Steve and I begin to take a journey to urgent care where we ran into Dr. Ratzak, who's uh, one of our church families and took really good care of us. I'll show a picture of Pastor Steve as we left um, urgent care. Both arms. Not one, but both. He's giving the peace sign because that's the only thing he can do. You haven't seen his ankle. His ankle was sprained as well. Because we have limitations. He's okay. <laughs> Limitations. I joined the, 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 the volleyball intramurals over here at last year University when they had intramurals for volleyball. I got a call from Ashley, who's one of our church members, says, hey, would you, would you jump on the team? Our name of our team is the Geriatrics. <laughs> now that's something I can buy into. You know? I can believe in that. So I jumped on the team. 
Because volleyball and basketball are two of my favorite sports. I've been playing them my whole life. I'm very well, well, uh, I have a, well, a wide base of knowledge when it comes to these sports. But when I got onto the court and I faced collegiate young adults, I realized they have no idea. They have limits. They're running, they're jumping. Danny Marufo was on our team, and his, his, the most wise and best counsel he could say is, hey, just remember, their brains aren't fully formed yet. <laughs> and I was like, well, mine is overripe. This is not, it's not going to work out well. First couple games, I'm like, I'm, I'm bewildered. My body doesn't know what to do. I come around to the bench, and Pastor Ben's on my team. I say, Ben, sub me, sub me in. And he says, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> Who are you, my mom? Sub me out. No, no, no. There are some things worth sacrificing your personal good for, Icky, stay in there. <laughs> One game, some of these, these young, these young uh, uh, physically fit uh, college students, they're playing and they're laughing at the same time, and I'm bothered by it. <laughs> Don't you laugh while you play and be happy. And so my brain kicked into gear and it says, okay, Icky, we're going to take this up to the next level. We're shifting gears up. And then it told my body and my body's like, we're giving it all she's got, Cotton. This is everything. Your legs have died 30 minutes ago. As human beings, we have limitations. We're limited. But limitations is nothing to be embarrassed about. Limitations... It's not a signal for shame or, or embarrassment. It's a part of our humanity. It is who we are, and it's okay to recognize you have limits. In this particular passage, there's a recognition of embodiment, and then there's a recognition of limitations, and then we also see surprise and wonderment all in this one short passage. Here, the angel says to Mary, verse 31, and now you will receive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is the surprise given to Mary in Mary's very limited, human, normal world. She has just give, been given the announcement. And so Mary, her response is not surprising as she considers what it means to embody this proclamation. As the angel is speaking, she is now beginning to process what does it mean to embody this very proclamation, this, this Emmanuel who will be in my belly. What does that look like for her? And so her response is, how can this be since I am still a virgin? Mary's response is one that would suggest Mary knows herself. She knows what she's capable of and what she's capable of not being able to do. She recognizes a very real limitation of her body and her experience. From our Honest Advent blog, Virgin, on day 10, Leilani Kritzinger, very common name around here, writes these words. Maybe Mary's protest, but I'm a virgin, wasn't about a biological logistics. Maybe by virgin, she meant 
I haven't done this before and I don't know how. I don't know if I can do this and, if, and, and I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't have the experience that lets me know I will make it out on the other side. This, virgin ter- this is virgin territory. Virgin means you haven't done it. Virgin also means you haven't done it yet. Mary is in new territory. She hasn't done this yet. She doesn't know how to handle or embody this surprise. It's all new for her. She's limited in scope, and she understands that. In the Honest Adventist blog, Peace, from day 17, Jim Manning talked about his mother, Hazel. Mother of six, Jim was the middle of those. And he said she was a fierce warrior for peacemaking. She had a deep gift for it. She was indeed a piece of the kingdom of God here on earth as Jim recounts his relationship to her. And I don't know that Mary could resound with that. Mary can't understand that. She's not been there. She doesn't know whether she'll be a peacemaker. She doesn't know whether she'll be a good mom. She doesn't know whether her body and her biology can handle what is to come. She has limitations. She wanders along with Ernesto Pascal in his blog, Breaking, Day 21. What else will be broken in her along this journey? There's the breaking of the water. There's the breaking of the umbilical cord. But what else must be broken from this infancy to adulthood? What else will be broken? Mary stands at the chasm of some very chaotic waters, unknown territory. Can she do it? Is she worthy of doing it? Will she be able to embody and live out what it means to be this vessel of God? She understands her limitations. And I think it's important for all of us to understand our limitations. I'm not telling any of us here today to you know what, forget the fact that you're not good at this thing, go for it and do it. If you're not good at it, hey, that's all right. There's many things that many of us are not good at. A, form, a, a good friend of mine and a former member uh, of, my, of my former church loved to sing, loved it, and could not miss praise. He, he ran the, 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 the food kitchen area, but during praise, he had to come in and get his praise on. The problem is he always sang in the key of T, for tone deaf. My guy couldn't sing on key for nothing. When he stand next to him, it was like a blessing and a curse. Because he didn't care who was listening. He was going to sing and praise Jesus. Now, he knew that he could never be part of the praise team because it would just ruin everyone's worship. But that didn't stop him from experiencing worship himself. He didn't allow his limitation or something that he's not good at to get in the way of his connection with God. It's okay. It's important for us to know our limitations. But also, I think we must be careful not to allow our limitations to turn into hideous monsters. Hideous monsters that either because of external voices or an internal monologue controls our assumptions about God and our assumptions about ourselves, keeping us from being open to God's calling in our lives. 
Has there been an assumption of your own limitations that keeps you from moving on with God's calling? Oh, God, I'm, you know, I just can't do that. That's, you know what, I'm, I'm not good at that thing. Or ah, I'm, ah, I, I, I'm worthless. In Assumptions, Louise Lawrence Rose, Honest Day Advent 11, she points out that we make many assumptions such as other spiritual people have something we don't. And so because we have put these limiters on ourselves, it is difficult for us to be able to perceive what God wants to do in and through us. Or like Marjorie Ellenwood's precise work on the external voices that she had to work through in her Honest Advent blog, Sacred. She states, I was never led to believe that I could or would be sacred. I was too much too loud, too chubby, too opinionated, too feminine. Elders were men, pastors were men, God was masculine, a creator of and believer in male headship. We were Adventists and strongly discouraged from recognizing Mary as more than a quiet, submissive, ethereally beautiful, and somehow white. <laughs> Speak truth, hashtag truth. Mother figure who would eventually be schooled by the son she raised. Sacred was for men. What external voices limit us from hearing God speak into our calling? Or maybe it's like Chris Katz in his blog, Mighty. He points out the internal dilemma that we often work through. One of the hardest life lessons I'm still learning is how to be accepting of my imperfection. In other words, I'm still working on accepting the fact that I'm limited, that I'm human, and that's okay. Turn to someone and say, it's okay to be human. Tell someone else, it's okay to be human. Mary was clear of her limitations. She knew what she had not yet experienced and what she has. She was very aware of her humanity. And so the question is an earnest and honest question because she is, this is virgin territory for her. But also, she was open to be surprised by God's wonder. It is okay to recognize our limitations. It is okay to recognize our imperfections, but we must also be open to God's wonder in our life. That is the Christmas story. That is it in its fullness. She was willing in her body to be stretched figuratively as well as physically and literally. As humans, we are finite and limited that should not bring any shame or embarrassment, especially in the light of God's work through us. One of my, um, one, of, one of the social media uh, people in the world, Athena Avalanet, I don't know if you've heard of her, I, I love to follow her. She's always got like these quick little reels and she's always talking about God. She's a business owner, she's a mother. Uh, she says she's self-proclaimed homie. She's a homie, that's what she says. And in, her, in one of her reels, she says, don't disqualify or discredit yourself just because you don't think you have enough to do what God is calling you to do. 
Then she recounts stories of where God says, what do you have? Stories like Moses, when God calls Moses to do a good work, and Moses is trying to make excuses why he can't do this work. And then God says, well, what do you have? And Moses says, I I got a staff. And because the only thing he had was a staff, God used the staff for miracles that freed Israel from Egypt. Or maybe it's, it's the woman who just lost her husband and, and, and her sons are in, in, in trouble and she comes to the prophet and she says, I'm in, in, I'm, in, I'm in a problem. And the prophet says, well, what do you have? She says, I've got some jars of oil. And because of that, the prophet creates miracles for sustenance and life. Or the story in the New Testament where Jesus is feeding the crowd and he's preaching and he's healing and things are life-changing, but they become hungry and, the, and he says, well, well, how are we going to feed them? And the disciple says, well, we don't have anything to feed them with. What are you talking about, Jesus? And he says, well, what do we have? Well, we got a couple fish and some loaves and because of that, Jesus feeds the crowd. And maybe the point of all of that is, is, is not that what we have matters so much that we can trust that God would use it for proliferation and goodness in the world. Maybe it didn't matter so much who Mary was and where she came from and what she could or could not do, what she had or had not done, but just that she was open to the surprise and the wonder of what God would do in her life. She did not disqualify herself or discredit herself because of where she was in that moment. She was open to God to do miraculous things. God calls you. He called you into a relationship where he wants to be embodied in your life, regardless of your humanness or your limitations. God calls you to this, and he knows that in the work being done between you and God, there will be goodness if we but not allow our limitations to shortchange are calling with God. This story wasn't about Mary at all or her limitations, although she is very important. It's really about what God can birth in us as God brings incarnational living into the world embodied through our humanity. God surprised Mary with wonder in her human body. Mary was open and in so doing becomes the mother of the Savior of the world. What wonders does God want to do or to use or to surprise us with for the sake of the world today? How does God want to surprise this world through your embodiment of Jesus? How does God want to surprise this world through his embodiment, through your embodiment of Jesus? How does God want to surprise this world through your embodiment of Jesus. What wonders does God want to do? As I close, would you hand me that book right there, my bro? Yes. Thank you. Hey, come on up. No, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> like, did he set me up for that? <laughs> Baptism's ready? No, I'm playing. <laughs> As we close, As you sit with your humanness and your limitations, I pray that you are open to God's wonder and surprise for your life. I want to read from Erickson's book uh, under the chapter of Assumption. And I'll read you just a couple, um, couple pages, short, short, quick pages. 
Our assumptions hinder our spiritual journey in all kinds of ways. And the antidote to assumption is surprise. The surprise of Christ's incarnation is that it happened in Mary's day as it's happening every day in your lack of resources, your overcrowded lodging, your unlit night sky, your humble surroundings. It's a surprise that life can come through barren places. It's a surprise that meek nobodies partake in divine plans. It's a surprise that messengers are sent all along the hidden journey of life to let you know that you are not alone. It's a surprise that you will be given everything you need to accomplish what you've been asked to do. It's a surprise that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from love. Your assumptions believe that there must be something that can, but surprise, nothing can. May you thank God with joyful surprise at how much you have assumed incorrectly.